Jeremy Dunn is a rancher, horse trainer, knife builder, riata braider, and has quite a few more skills developed from a life on the ranch. He really enjoys backcountry camping and would like to teach more people how to access the wilderness with their horses. I've been going to the High Sierras lately and you know there's so many people that have the opportunity to go to so many places but because they don't have a place to put their horse or they don't know how to camp with their horse they miss out you know where they could totally go out and picket their horse somewhere or, or hobble them or, or tie line them whatever it may be you know it's not that hard it's not a hard deal you know and so I, I was it's fun taking people from here on the mountain welcome to the woe podcast about horses and horsemanship i'm john hare and this is renee hare you found the safe place to be horse crazy Many of you know I competed as a rookie in the Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge with a horse named Scratch. One of the judges and organizers of that event was Jeremy Dunn. Over the course of the competition, we became friends with Jeremy, his wife Brandy, and their two children, Sage and Steele. The Dunns live on a remote ranch, the Broken Arrow, in Rosamond, bordered on three sides by the mighty Tejone Ranch. They raise cattle, chickens, a milk cow, have a garden, and really live the ranch life. Jeremy trains outside horses, and Brandy offers clinics on homemade cheese making. I learned a lot from Jeremy about horsemanship during the trainer's challenge, and even more afterward. He impressed upon me the fact that horses need a job. His clinics are designed to measure the ability of horse and rider and improve from there. And clinics can be a great way to build on your horsemanship. But we noticed from the clinics that we'd done with various trainers, it was always a challenge to absorb all the techniques, cues, timing, and then remembering it all when we got home. Renee and I started talking about combining a mini clinic and a trail ride, and I took the idea to Jeremy and Brandy. They said, let's do it on the ranch. We want folks to learn a little in the clinic, then put that knowledge to practice on the trail. Later this month, we'll host a clinic at the Broken Arrow, where the morning will be spent in the training arena and the afternoon will be spent trail riding on open ranch country. We're limiting the event to only 12 horse and riders to keep the learning personal. We will be sure to let you know how this goes. Recently, I visited the ranch, mostly for a trail ride up the creek and through the mountains of their property. After our ride, I talked to Jeremy about his philosophy of horsemanship, knife making, and the ranch life. There's no more idyllic and comfortable place to hold an interview than in the living room of a friend's ranch home. Let's get to Jeremy Dunn on the Woe Podcast. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Good. Good, good, good. We're with Jeremy Dunn at the Broken Arrow Ranch in Rosamond, right? Yeah. It's it's in the middle of nowhere, and it's where I prefer to be. (laughs) And it's on uh, the southern edge of the Tone Ranch? Yeah, it's on the... Southeast corner of, you know, so there's a surrounded, you know, they surround us on three sides. And you run cattle here? I, I do, I do. And you do uh, horse training? Yeah, I um train outside horses, and then we have a handful of cows, you know, that we kind of work for, work with ourselves, and, you know, for grass-fed beef or things like that. How long have you lived here? I lived here for, since 05, so... Almost 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. Huh? Kids grew up here? Yeah. yeah. Well, Sage turned two here. We had her second birthday here at the ranch. And then um, still, he was he was born 
the following October. So we had moved in um, in here 2005, January, and he was born in October. So You grew up in this general area. Well, over the mountain, you know, in Tehachapi. Tehachapi. Yeah. And were you always around horses? Uh, yeah, most of my life, yeah. Yeah, ever since I was probably four. Where do you think you got most of your horsemanship from? You know, just growing up into it, um, you, you know, a, a lot from my dad, a lot from just people I ran around with, a lot of pictures, you know, watching clinicians, watching, just seeing what I see and seeing the picture, and if I liked it, I wanted it. You know, you know that's where I learned most things. Did you, you do a lot of day work on ranches around the area? I did when I was younger. I did some day work here at Tahone mm-hmm. since I've lived here. But when I was younger, I'd work for Loop and things like that. And your great-grandfather actually worked on the Tahone Ranch. Yeah, he was 12 years old when he started, you know, Tahone Ranch when I was... Do you have any stories back no, I have some pictures, things like that, but I, I don't I don't have a lot of stories. Most of the stories that I know about him was from my grandma. So he was my great great grandfather. He was um born April sixteenth, eighteen seventy six. I was born April fifteenth, nineteen seventy six. Kinda kinda weird, but but all the stories I've learned or heard, you know, is from my, my grandma. You know, she would tell stories about on Selmo, and she she lived with them, him and his wife. And anyway, and so it was just little young stories, you know, her riding a horse or her questions. I mean, you probably won't take this, but, you know, <laughs> but she was a young kid, and, you know, I asked her, did you ever see anything that he would do, you know, that was... He's going, all I ever seen him do is beat that shit out of those horses. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, she was three years old, you know, or young, you know, so she didn't really, you know, I'm sure there was. That was a lot of the horsemanship of the day, though, wasn't it? I mean, ranch yeah. riders. Are... Yeah, I think, I think in ways it still can be. I mean, you know, but I, I don't know. It's all in the eyes of a beholder, you know, um, you know, some People that don't know much might see someone like Clinton Anderson, and he's beating the hell out of them. But, you know, I mean, he's flogging with kindness, whether you like that method or not. It's right. up to the person. But, you know, it's like that, you know. It's what one person sees that roping a horse, roping his leg. Oh, you could really hurt him. Well, you might if you don't do it right, you right. know. But, you know, so it's all in the eyes of the beholder. What made you want to get into horse training? You know, I don't know if there's like one thing or it's just something I, I just did. I like doing. I I, um, I started working. I worked at 16. I worked at a, um, a feed rant or a feed store. You know, he would bring in horses from Arizona, the owner. Mm-hmm. After work, he would bring me over there and I'd work a lot of these colts. They were already started, but they were green and and I, I totally dug that. I loved it. You know, but I always liked working with young horses. And so when it came down to where, I mean, I worked on ranches a, a lot, you know, 18 and, you know, up into my 20s. And then, um, you, you know, and I didn't really, like, start horses for people. It just kind of came about. You'd have a young horse, you'd work it, but 
just the way of life. It wasn't the fact that, oh, I'm a horse trainer. Right. You know, but it, it came, you know, the opportunity came, you know, where you could make money. So basically I was, I was, my mom convinced me of getting a real job. I was working on Rankin Ranch and then I couldn't pay for nothing. It was, you know, it paid me good enough, but, you know, I had a fixing a truck, eating, things like that right. just wasn't going to pay off. So. And you had to drive there. That's a pretty far in the back country, so that's kind of hard on your vehicle. Yeah, most of the time we lived there. We okay. did live there, but it, it still was pretty tight. And, um, and it's not like you could take trips back and forth like you're saying. But anyway, so I started working on the, um, the windmills, you know, Zon, then Enron, GE. Same, same place with different names. But they were laying off and things like that. Um, make a long story short, um, I ended up getting about seven horses from Oak Creek, and I started those. And and I was trying to hang up my shingle, you know, to trying to, you know, maybe train horses or get somewhere, go to somewhere that I wanted to to be where my heart was into. Because when I was working on the windmills, I did everything from electric to mechanical to to all kinds of you know stuff with the windmills and then finally at the end I was operating a crane and all the heavy equipment which was awesome it was fun it was like big boy toys yeah, and, right, in the right. dirt and the problem with it, with most of it though the most of that job consisted of working on the crane where your days would be 12 to 16 hours and um the work that you did would last probably 15 minutes the rest you had to sit in the crane and wait for them to you know, and so I had plenty of time to realize where I'd really rather be. And, of course, where the windmills are, it's beautiful. Everywhere is beautiful. And I could see myself riding down that little terrain, or I see cows. It'd be cool to see if I had a cow. You know, I mean, my mind would just run wild. And right. So I'm trying to hang up my shingle. It's not working out. And, um, you know, because nobody, everybody knew me in Tehachapi, but didn't really know me as that being my profession and so it wasn't like everybody was coming to me they with weren't their horse. rushing to break down your door huh? you know and plus i you know they knew me too as a 16 year old kid you know why would you pay for it he was right. the dummy that hey this horse bucks you know jeremy will ride it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i mean it, it just didn't seem right for them to pay me money for it you know so anyway i got seven of those horses from oak creek and sold them all and and the people, and they were cheap, you know, so we had a lot of people coming. I didn't have them long. They, I had them maybe three weeks at the most, and they were gone. And, um, wow. you know, I was riding most of them, and they were, you know how good they are. They're pretty easy. But, you know, they were looking pretty decent and pretty good. And so, wow, you did this in two weeks? And, well, yeah. Well, do you train horses? Well, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, you know. That at Snowball, that you know, they those Oak Creek horses helped me out a lot on that deal. You know, it showed what I could do. You know, and right. little did they know they all they saw was a wild horse. These those wild horses are a lot easier than some domestic horses. <laughs> yeah, is it Ojo? Ojos. Oh, yeah. Ojos. Did you compete on him in a Mustang type event? I did in in um, two thousand seven, and it was the first um extreme mustang makeover so yeah it was the first one and i did make the finals with him and and i ended up with him so now, was that before or after the oak creek horses that was after so you'd kind of got the oak creek horses and then you'd want it you went to the blm got a mustang and did it with him and you made it to the finals that's 
Yeah, it's one of those things. I never was a big competitor. I I just like my little hole, and I like living here. I'm not looking out to compete and be the best. Or, but you know, with this living, you know, and thank God for my wife. She she definitely keeps those things rolling as far as the business goes, and she knows my name has to be out there. So she did a really good job keeping me out there with right. clinics or things and. So she came up to me one day and she said, um, had paperwork in her hand. Oh, they're doing this Mustang thing, you know, and she explained it. And I figured if I shrugged my shoulders and say, oh, yeah, huh, that sounds cool. She'd just leave me alone and go away. <laughs> and uh, so she ended up signing, you know, the, you know, filling out the application. And then a couple of weeks later, she goes, remember that thing I was telling you about? And I said, yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do that I, you're wanting an answer? Well, you already got an answer. You were accepted, you know. Oh, hell. So, <laughs> so I already accepted. I might as well get You were it drafted. Done. You weren't accepted. You were drafted. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we, but yeah, that was, that was a heck of a experience. That was fun. A lot of fun. You still have? Oh. I do. Yeah. I do. What, what would you say were your main influences on horsemanship? Was it experience or was it? The old time, the ranchers that you worked with when you were day ranching? and I think what really sticks out in my head and, and seeing, I don't know, I don't know what you'd really call it. I, if seeing just a way of, I don't know, seeing a way of going about things, you know. Um, we were talking about it earlier today, but what is it that, I don't know, there's a there's method, there's, there's a way of thinking. And I, I think when I was 10 years old, my dad took me to a Buck Brandeman clinic. Uh-huh. And, um, boy, I was hooked. I mean, it was pretty amazing, you know. To see what he could do with a horse in such a short time. But, yeah, that and just the way the horse responded and the way the the way he went about it. It was different than what I had grown up seeing or, or you know... There was a type of softness. There was a type of a dance. Then wasn't about taking. It wasn't about this is what I want. This is what I'm getting. You know, show him who's boss. You know, who's riding who. You know, those type of things. You you. It was it was a dance. You know, make the right thing easy, the wrong thing difficult. You you know, at the time he didn't say that as much, you know, but Brandman didn't say that as much, you know, as Ray Hunt might have, you know, but but that's exactly what he was doing, and that's what he had said, you know, he would say that, but I mean, it was, I don't know, as a young kid, you know, what did that mean? He just right. saw a dance, you know, and, yeah. and, um, and it was nice, it was something neat to see. Now, the, the horses that you're taking in for training, are those problem horses are you starting colts or training for performance you know all of the above i mean i i get anything from trouble horses to mules to to colts to anything um you know i may not get a horse that comes in here for reining training right you know so per se but it's a heck of a place to get it started you know you know, I'm not going to take them to a show or, or things like that, but I have a pretty well-bred warm blood, you know, for hunter-jumper and things like that right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they've 
would lose their mind if, you know, the hunter-jumper people saw this horse, you know, roping cows and things, you know, on a ranch, you know, but that's a heck of a start. It's a good foundation for her to do anything later on, you know. She has a work ethic. She's got a job to do, and so whether it's going to be, um, you know, a reining horse, a cutting horse, a jumper horse, you know, it's just basically what I'm after, just a foundation. Right. You know, um, I, they need to to make a living. You know, they, they need to be on the payroll if they're here. You, you know, and that's my job, to get them on the payroll. Of course, they're paying me to pay, ride the horse, but, I mean, that's my frame of mind there. Right. You know, you don't get to eat unless you, I mean, definitely I'll feed them. But right. you know how it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... We'll work for food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean... They, they got to hold their own. They got to, you know, and some horses are a lot slower and, and just like people, you know. But, I mean, it's the same deal, you know. You you understand where they are. You understand what they're able to give you. And, you know, that is what it is. And as long as, you know, there's progress. And the ranch is a nice place to do it. The Broken Arrows, we're, what, about 3,000 feet? Yeah, almost four. It's almost 4,000 feet? 3,800 feet, Yeah. yeah. We went through a ride. We went up from here, so we were um, yeah, not not much off. Probably at the most, we went four thousand feet. Yeah, we didn't go too high, but and that's good conditioning for the horses and and our horses today. Mine, my Jessie had to kind of find her way through deadfall and across, <laughs> we must have crossed creeks thirty times. Oh yeah, no, it's really nice having the creek. We had a good year of rain, so. You know, that's, we have a creek running right through our front yard, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, we followed that today, which was really cool, and boy, we sure needed the water. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see the river. We we were riding down the creek, and it was just, the noise that was coming off was just, it was almost like music there. It was, yeah. it was so sweet. And you offer clinics a, a couple of times a year? Yeah. What do you like to focus on with the Jeremy Dunn Clinic? You know, it all depends on what people need, you know, basic horsemanship. But, you know, you could snowball from anything, you know. You know, this person might need a lesson on training or on leading, and this person might need a lesson on lead changes. How do you, you know, you could go, you know, horsemanship one, two, three, four, five, you know, right. and so on. But, you know, it's kind of nice putting all of that together. That way the person that may not be as wouldn't say not as good, but have that doesn't have as much a different level. Yeah, but they see a goal, you know, and that's how I learned. How I learned, I see a picture. That's where I got better when I see somebody that was a lot better than me or had more experience. I mean, I I got better by watching those people or being around those people than staying plateaued in my area. So. Now, I try to keep them together, you know. I try to make it to where we're all kind of working together. You could use some of those those people with more experience to help the, the one with less experience. In turn, it gives them both more confidence, you know, mainly the person with the experience more confidence. But, you know, from anything from basic to pretty hard, you know, it, I don't really have, it's like a horse. I, I don't. Like coming with an agenda. I mean, there is an agenda that I want to help people and their horses, but it's not an agenda that you're going to learn how to tie your shoe today. Right. You know, because, you know, as you go to tie your shoe, I realize that you can't, 
you can't bend over enough to tie your shoe. So let's work on stretching and tying your shoe. That way you can tie your shoe properly with it. You know, I mean, something simple like that, you know. So who's to say you're going to ever get to tying this shoe, right. you know. And it's those principles that you learn about wherever you are, you learn from there. You can't, you can't learn algebra if you haven't learned basic math so you get basic math and then you can go up another step and then after that you go up another step and pretty soon you start a little bit of algebra so you have to kind of you have to start where people are exactly but and but at the same time it's really handy to see like in algebra how you could tell how much um a water tank holds you, you know but but you surely certainly wouldn't start there, you know. You would, like you said, basic math. But it's very handy for somebody to see that, oh, I can learn that. Yeah. Oh, so it makes that journey a lot better because there's something to look forward to as well. What do you think that most average horse people struggle with in the relationship with their horse? I think patience. Patience is a big thing. Everybody wants something now. Uh, just kind of waiting for things, waiting things to happen instead of m making things happen. It's really easy to make things happen. We live in a world today where we open the door, we put our cars in drive and or put them in gear and, and turn it and it's, everything is mechanical. Everything is done mechanically. If you want it, you do it. Right. Where with a horse, it, it comes down where it's more feel. It, Sure, you could do them mechanically, but that's exactly what you have. And so there, it's like a relation. You don't have a relationship with your car. You know, it, it's there and, and it's not there. You, you know, I mean, you don't have a conversation in any way unless you're just talking to your car. But it never talks back. And do you think that they get impatient with their horse? They want to see that horse advance to quicker than the horse wants? Or is it more in a training I'm asking something, now I need to wait for it to happen. Again, it's like this, you know, how the world begins. We are lucky, damn lucky to have internet, you know, and so we have internet, and it takes a page to pop up. It takes it 30 seconds. Okay, well, we have internet, and it's 30 seconds. That's cool, but you know what? It's too slow. So we get a 15 seconds. You know, that's that's too slow with 10 and 5. I mean, we were damn lucky to have it in the first place. Right. I mean, who the so cool. We like improve on it. That's fine and dandy. But, I mean, where does it stop, though? I mean, we start trying to get that out of human minds, let alone horse minds. Okay, okay, he could do it for 15 seconds. Well, you know what? This horse might take him 15 seconds to process that. Sure, I hope maybe as time goes by, he will, like, kick it up a little bit. But let the time just do its thing, you right. know? I mean, it's, sure, improve on things, but I think, again, we, we begin to be too picky and not see the gift that we're really having in front of us. Things speed up, and and I don't think it's always for the best. Can we talk a little bit about the, the Broken Arrow? I mean, you guys are up, out here, and it's half hour to the nearest store, something like that. And you raise your own cattle, you raise your own chicken and eggs, have your own milk, pretty self-sufficient out here. And you also supplement that with making knives and do you build uh, bozelles? Yeah, um, 
you know, I used to do a bunch of it. That right now I've been pretty darn busy with the horses and and haven't been doing some of the fine art type things. But but yeah, I would I was braiding anything I could braid. You know, from riatas to to bozels, hangers. I mean, anything. How'd you learn that? Mostly out of a book. And then as I started kind of learning, you know, the methods and knowing it's just basic math. So you braid those, and what about your knife making? It, you know, again, and a lot of that was just I wanted to make it. I, I wanted a knife. Couldn't really justify spending the money for a knife, so I just started making my own. Did you learn that from a book, too? Most of it was trial by error, or maybe talking to um, some local blacksmiths, you know. and You know, they may, they may have never made a knife, but they knew a lot about annealing or or heat treating, or making it harder, things like that, you know, how to do it, and, you know, so I, I, you know, got some things out from them, but most of it was just trial by error. <laughs> when you make a, a knife out of a file rasp, if you heat that up, doesn't it lose its its temper a little bit, or does it? Um, yeah, I can. You get it too hot, particularly, right? Oh, well, if you get it really hot, and, and then you, um, put it in oil, then it gets harder, even harder than it was before. So what happens, annealing it is you get it as hot as you can and let it cool down as slow as you can. So then it turns it soft. So, you know, a lot of the time before I start making a knife, I'll anneal it first, get it soft so you can work with it. If you have to use a file or something to, you know, I like on the top making, you know, file work you know doing you know little design designs you know you know it takes a while you know if it's hard i mean it takes a long while and then and you go through rafts or little files like it's going out of style but if you soften it up you get it all nice and you know it doesn't take a lot to to hammer a bevel on it or if it's hard you have to beat a bevel oh, yeah. into it, you know? <laughs> and so on and then after you do that, then you heat treat it back up again, dip right. it in oil, cool it really quickly. That makes it hard. Right. And probably, you know, depending on how soft you got it, you know, it's how many times you have to dip it back in oil. Or, you know, some people do water, but, you know, those are little tricks. Like there's a horseshoer that was making knives. And he said, whatever you do, don't dip it in water after it's hot. It just doesn't work out. You know, where in some books it says that you should. You know, depending on the metal. Right. What's your plans for the future with the Broken Arrow? Keep on doing what you're doing? Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's... I don't have any big plans. I'm, you know, I, I like doing little... um, Doing clinics. Like, I, I've i been going to the High Sierras lately, and, and it seems like... I don't know. There's such a reach out there to do it, you know. I mean, I've been around horses all my life, but, you know, at the time, you know... Well, if I go there, where am I going to put my horses, or, or is my horse ready? And you know, there's so many people that have the opportunity to go to so many places, but because they don't have a place to put their horse, or they don't know how to camp with their horse, right. they, they miss out. You know, where they could totally go out and picket their horse somewhere, or or hobble them, or or highline them, whatever it may be. But you know, it's not that hard. It's not a hard deal. You know. 
And so I, I was, it's fun taking people from here on the mountain. And You and I are going to actually be doing something like that. We're going to have a, a learning and ride session. So we're going to have almost like an adventure ride. We'll spend the morning doing some horsemanship stuff. And we'll spend the afternoon out on your ranch. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be fun. You bet. And that, that really gives people an opportunity to ride in an area which they might not other ride, otherwise ride in because the stuff we were riding through today was just amazingly beautiful and we even noted that there was no trash on the ground there was no <laughs> bottle caps there's no matchbooks there was no there's nothing except for dead trees from the drought and and blue sky and wildflowers right i'm looking forward to that right yeah yeah it will be fun We'll spend some. We'll spend some time learning in the morning, and then we'll go out for a ride. You bet. Sure would have been nice if there was fish in that river. Right <laughs> <laughs> we could talk fishing. <laughs> yeah, it's a blast going up to the high seers, you know, on the the Kern River, and we got some pretty good fish out there. Well, thanks for being with us. Jeremy. You bet. You bet. Nice being here. <laughs> thanks to Jeremy and Brandy Dunn for sharing the Broken Arrow with us. If you would like to learn more about Jeremy Dunn's training and clinics, we'll have all the links at wopodcast.com. You can also learn more about Brandy's cheese making classes and JB Cattle Company Ranch Raised Beef. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on a special note, the folks over at the Varmints Podcast, it's a podcast all about all animals, invited me to be a guest on their show to talk horses. It's a fun, lighthearted program you might enjoy. It's out now. I'll put a link in the show notes, or you can look for the Varmints podcast just about anywhere. That'll do it for this week. You can subscribe to the Woe podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and you'll never miss an episode. And please stay in touch. Woe podcast is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Need more? You can join our mailing list at woepodcast.com. We'll keep you up to date on everything Woe Podcasty. And every Friday, I'll send you a quick tip, something you can do to build a better relationship with your horse with just a few minutes practice. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please keep sharing our show about horses and horsemanship with your friends. And until next time, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.